The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television shows that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for CriticallyAcclaimed.net, The Rap, and IGN. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a film critic for the internet. The whole of it! Ooh. I wrote every single film review on the internet. Ah, uh, even mine? Mm. The, no, not yours. Oh, that's nice. Except for yours. <gasps> Good. Actually, I only wrote mine. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's, that's probably better for, like... It's better for everyone. Your I time think. management, yeah. if nothing else. Yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. lot of work. Uh, and uh, I don't have a cute nickname. We think um, you're cute anyway. But you can think I'm cute. You're quite nice. Um, you know what, you know what <laughs> else? Would it... And I just started a career as a cam girl, so be sure to tune in to xvideos.com. Nice. Actually, I'm sure there is a, a website called xvideos.com. There, so there, so there maybe is. don't, maybe there don't is. go. Okay. <laughs> there is. I thought you were being serious. Okay. Maybe don't go to xvideos.com. <laughs> Go to hornymanatee.com. There that, you go. That don't, we do not want that to be real. It is real. I can explain that to you. And it actually has something to do with TV history, so it's not completely off topic. Um, go for it. It's going to be a short episode. <laughs> so uh, Conan O'Brien liked to make up fake websites uh, as part of his bits. Mm-hmm. And one that he would repeat just sort of off the cuff when he ad-libbed one day was hornymanatee.com. And it turns out since he was on NBC, there was some sort of, uh, like, rule, some sort of FDA rule that if some if a, a talk show host on a major network mentioned a website, it had to refer to a real website. I'm, I'm not exactly sure why. I don't know what, what the, the I guess it would be is. too easy for someone to make that website, yeah, drive like, traffic yeah, there. Like, sort of yeah. siphon off of NBC's hot property. So yeah, like would, free advertising So he kept on talking about Horny Manatee, so NBC had to buy the domain, hornymanatee.com. And, of course, because he's Conan O'Brien, he decided to fill it with, like, a certain amount of inappropriate content. Okay. It's just pictures of manatees with, like, dirty captions. We're talking about a sitcom today. We are talking about a sitcom today. Uh, uh, change as, of plans. As you may have noticed, this is not our Voyager's exclamation point episode. And for once, it is not my fault. <laughs> I want to make that abundantly right. clear. Well, uh, this time it's my fault. It's because uh, I and my family are leaving town on a brief vacation, and I uh, will not be in ti- uh, back in town in time to record uh, an episode for you, dear listeners, in and, a timely fashion. And indeed, you you don't even have time to finish like the back half of the, of the series. Uh, yeah, so I was still catching up on it. So... Voyagers will be next week. Mm-hmm. We're sorry. We're watching it, though. I'm, We're watching I'm, I'm, it. Several episodes in and, uh, and enjoying it so far. So we have to do our thing where we have to come up with a last-minute replacement. And boy, did we find one. <laughs> this is one that's been on my radar for a while. Mm-hmm. It is a sitcom starring the great Rodney Dangerfield of Rover Dangerfield fame. That's what people know him from. Mostly. <laughs> 
Rodney Dangerfield is one of the most uh, famous comedians of all time. Yeah, and what's you interesting about Rodney Dangerfield, well, a lot of things, but mm. the thing I really like about Rodney Dangerfield is you can really look to him as a really late-in-the-game success story. He was a failed borscht belt comedian. Like, mm. he was swimming in debt. <laughs> uh, he, he, he told the same jokes everyone else told, and it, it, was, it wasn't until he was, like, middle-aged mm. that he realized he needed a gimmick. He needed... A personality. He can't just tell the joke. Yeah. He had to come up with a compelling character. And he did, and he was enormously successful as a guy who can't get no respect. Mm. And that was a brilliant well, he, thing he because was... he was turning himself into the punchline. Yeah. So the the jokes could be as mean and acidic and and depressing mm. as you want. But it's okay because he's only making fun of himself for the most part. And man, some of his jokes slay me. <laughs> like they're just really well constructed mm. jokes. Yeah. Like uh, uh, I have three kids, one of each. <laughs> it's one of his one-liners. Yeah, my fan club broke up. He died. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. That's cute. That's uh. these are self. Mm. Effacing jokes, and I've always admired Rodney Dangerfield for turning that into something really cool. And then he had a relatively sparse but long mm. career in acting. Like he didn't make a movie a lot, mm. but when a lot of his movies were hits, he was in the original Caddyshack. Uh, he was uh, uh, in um, Back to School. Back to School. Right. Thank. I almost I almost called it Class Act, and I was like, I know that's, that's wrong. A different, a different movie. Yeah, he was in Back to School, which was a huge hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's weird... Bongo Bongo is in Back to School. Oh, like they're right, in they it. They are. That's weird. And Kurt Vonnegut Kurt is Vonnegut, in it. young Robert Downey Jr., mm. Keith Gordon, just before he quit like acting and went to directing for the most part. I haven't seen that since part. I was a kid. I need to see that again. Yeah. But Ronnie Dangerfield was in... He was the star of this really big movie. Now, Back to School was a big deal. Mm. And he, then he didn't make a movie for four years. Mm. Like there's this weird gap, like well, right he, there at he, the end of the '80s, where you just you would think people would have been trying to book him left and right. Well, they did. He, he was doing a lot of stand-up gigs. I meant as an actor. Yeah, as an actor, you would think people would try to find some roles for him. There's no particular reason he couldn't have been Uncle Buck, or you know, mm. like I guess he was John Candy and well, well, a bunch of other was, actors. Were what was the film he made uh, after like, that? Af- like, what was the next feature film he made? I think it was Rover that? Dangerfield. <laughs> In like ninety one. Oh wow! Okay, like ninety one or ninety two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, I, know, I know he showed up in Natural Born Killers, he, playing like it, a horrible character. The early nineties went from the show we're about to talk about, which came out in nineteen ninety, mm-hmm. uh, to Rover Dangerfield, <laughs> to Ladybugs, which is its own kind of horror, <laughs> to Natural Born Killers. Mm-hmm. Weird decade for Rodney Dangerfield, but he was a respected and that'd beloved be a, comedian. That would be a fun double feature, Ladybugs and Natural Born Killers. Rodney Dangerfield has one of the all-time great tombstones. Yes. You know, do you know what it says on his tombstone? I do. Uh, it's He's buried in a, a little tiny out-of-the-way cemetery in Westwood, California. Yeah, it's a, it's a mostly a cemetery for really famous people. Yeah, like Marilyn Monroe is there, uh, Mel Torme is there, Billy Wilder's there. Mm, it's a great uh, cemetery. Yeah. Jack, Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau, although not next to each other, as you might think. <laughs> uh, Frank Zappa's there. I know where he's buried, but he has an unmarked grave. Okay. Uh, Will and Ariel Durant. Uh, Heather O'Rourke from the, the Poltergeist movies is there. Oh, that's uh, I, I, I went there a lot. <laughs> so Rodney Dangerfield's headstone says, there goes the neighborhood. Isn't that cute? <laughs> <laughs> Even in death, he was funny. Um, so I'm a big Roger Dangerfield mm. fan. I some of his movies were crap, but like mm. he knew how to tell a joke. Mm. And 
for many, many years from like junior high until now. Whenever I tell a joke, I tend to adjust my tie like Rodney Dangerfield, mm. even if I'm not wearing a tie. And Whitney can attest to this. I do this a lot. When I was a kid, my parents moved a lot, but I always found them. Yeah, that, yeah. that's a good joke, damn it. So you would also think mm. that Rodney Dangerfield would be kind of a hot ticket commodity for sitcoms. Well, that's that. That was the trajectory of comedians in the 1980s and 90s the, and 90s too. There was yeah. this, the, you know, as as comedians will attest, there was a comedy boom in the 1980s. All of these comedy clubs started opening all over the country, and you know, any schmuck with you know a, a brick wall behind them could try their hand at becoming a stand-up comedian. Uh, a lot of people were successful, and when you start to look at how big comedians were becoming at the time, you could see that they were all kind of auditioning to be on a sitcom. Yeah. They were trying to get their own show. And I think a lot of the old world comedians resented that because they weren't trying to get a show. They were trying to be comedians. It's a good point. And uh, a lot of people were using stand up to sort of parlay their talents into TV. Um, uh, and I'm guessing Rodney Dangerfield might have been one of those that resented that. And he kind of got swept up in this trend of moving comedians onto TV. But what's weird is that when you think about, and if you're familiar with Rodney Dangerfield, I hope you are. If not, look up some of his stand-up. He's really mm. funny. But if you know Rodney Dangerfield, you can picture him in your head. He's a schlubby guy. Mm. He's like kind of a misfitted yeah. suit. Um, a, yeah, kind of a double chin, big bulgy eyes. Yeah, yeah. O old, you know, he started, he got famous as a comedian much older in his career. So no one ever saw him without gray hair. He's an mm. older man. When you think, oh, we're going to do a Rodney Dangerfield sitcom, the thing that immediately pops into my head... Is he's a failed comedian. Maybe he's a failed comedian, mm. maybe he's not. But what I think about it is he's constantly talking about his kids hate him, his wife hates him. Mm. Show the family. <laughs> Just he's this... You basically make it like Archie Bunker, but he's a little bit more pathetic. So it's got kind of an, a Married with Children kind of vibe to it. Mm. You could really made that work. This like sad sack... Like, yeah. life, like life hates this guy. Nothing ever turns out like well. Like death him. of a salesman, but funny and with a happier ending. <laughs> like that's that's how I imagine this sitcom. But that's not what they went with. <laughs> I I oh golly, oh. I can't imagine. Clearly, this is not Rodney Dangerfield's idea. I hope not. <laughs> they 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 went to Rodney Dangerfield and said, "Look, we have this kooky idea." Yeah. Uh, you know the best friend from Big. And the kid from Honey, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Same kid. Same kid. Well, he's obsessed with you. He plays a he plays a thirteen year old boy who's obsessed with you. Who's also named Rodney. His, his name is also Rodney, and he's obsessed with Rodney Dangerfield. He has your posters all over his bedroom, and he makes jokes, but he's not nearly as funny as you. In fact, he's not funny at all. He's yep. just sort of a middle class white kid with a nineteen ninety mullet, and some of the most atrocious fashions you can possibly imagine. And Bland Friends. And Bland Friends, one of whom is played by Brecken Meyer, mm -hmm. who appears in a black and white checked long sleeve shirt, a red vest, and a bolo tie, mm -hmm. and you want to beat his head into the carpet. And one of whom is played by Soleil Sol Moonfry. Soleil Moonfry. From Punky Brewster and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Who's kind of interesting, even though she has maybe three lines of dialogue. And the other is not Max Casella. <laughs> Not Sam Levine. Not Sam Levine. <laughs> As the kind of sh schlubby, slobby kid named Armpit or something. So you imagine yourself, you're Rodney Dangerfield and you're hearing this pitch and you're just like, 
what, what, am I his wacky uncle? Where yeah. do I come in here? No, you play yourself, Rodney Dangerfield. Do, am I his neighbor? No, you're just your Rodney Dangerfield. You go about your life in a sitcom-y way. So you're going on bad dinner dates, or you're going fencing. But you know, I'm not like, the star of the show. No. Okay. No, you're a recurring character. And the child has the magical ability to summon you from wherever you are and call call you to him whenever he's alone in a room and you appear to him and give him advice before vanishing again. You are his psychopathic disorder. You live inside Herman's head. That's the premise of the show. <laughs> it could have played much better if Rodney Dangerfield were like the boy's hallucination. Yeah, but it's, he's but literally it's Rodney he's, Dangerfield. He's literally magically summoning the real Rodney Dangerfield from wherever he is. And all the kid has to say is, Where's, where's Rodney? Rodney? Mother breastfed me through a straw. Where's Rodney? Well, my old man took me to the zoo. They thank you for returning me. Where's Rodney? Yeah, last week I looked up my family tree. Two dogs were using it. That's the story of my life. No respect. When I'm feeling down and I can't get around my frustrations, yeah, I try to find the Halloween, I opened a front door, kids give me candy. Where's Rodney? And I was an ugly kid, too, in the merry-go-round. They made me ride under the horse. Where's Rodney? My wife is dumb, are you kidding? You want to know how dumb she is? It takes her an hour and a half to watch 60 Minutes. Where's Rodney? I wish Rodney were here. Where's Rodney? And in, like, the lamest video toaster effect that any kid could do in 1990... <laughs> On a Betamax tape, he you know kind of vanishes into thin air. And yeah, just... it's, Wayne and Garth might as well be going like that's how good the effect is. And poor Rodney Dangerfield like had to act during the fade, so he kind of like jiggled his body around a little bit to to say that to to indicate that he was vanishing. Like, like imagine Rodney Dangerfield like auditioning for the Richard Dreyfus role in Close Encounters with the mashed potatoes. <laughs> That's what this is like. It's like, hey, what's going on? This is weird. I feel weird. Something's going on. This is important. This means something. I feel weird. Have I video toastered yet? Please. My God. Just why are we milking this? So the kid... You know that the director was just like, okay, just keep going, keep going. <laughs> Ten, ten bucks, he goes. Fifteen more seconds. So, so this is a kid with nothing problems, and for some reason, he, he thinks Rodney Dangerfield he, look, can he solve has, his problems. He has a crush on the hot girl at school. Okay, we'll call her Melissa Omansky. Her name is Cindy because she looked exactly like a girl I went to junior high school with. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa Omansky, if you're listening, hi. Uh, <laughs> you looked a lot like the pretty girl in this sitcom from 1990. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he has a crush on the hot girl. She's a cheerleader. Uh, she has no interest in him. Uh, and she has been targeted by an evil punk who sits behind her. And you yeah. tell he's evil because he's tall and he wears leather. Yeah. So like and, they're in class, the opening scene mm-hmm. after an, a, a just awful voiceover 
Just an mm-hmm. awful voiceover. He was like, hi, I'm Rodney. I'm 13, going on 14. In fact, my birthday's tomorrow. All I hope is that I'm finally mature enough to talk to girls without feeling sick. Mm-hmm. And then they have the fucking audacity to put a laugh track after that. <laughs> As yeah, if that's uh, somehow a joke. Can't, oh, God. Can't land. Can't, can't laughter. It was so, It seems so natural. You know, back you know back when they were filming "I Love Lucy," uh-huh. and they were actually in front of a live studio audience, it did feel a little bit spontaneous. Luca, and, will uh, you stop playing with that plastic? <laughs> and I can't remember the first time Please. I recall when canned laughter like felt like her- sounded fake to me. Uh-huh. Well, it's when, it's- but I was raised on stuff like Small Wonder and different strokes and. It, it was all over the place hold in those. On. It didn't it wasn't always canned. I've been no. in a live studio audience for a okay. sitcom. The whole point of laughter, of a laugh track, is to simulate the experience of not just watching a show, but of being in an audience watching mm. a show. Right. And when you're in an audience, the in, the energy of the audience can affect you, and what wasn't scary is now scary, what wasn't funny is now funnier. Mm. That's the whole point of canned mm. laughter. So Luca, will you put that down? <laughs> you, you keep talking. I'll go kick okay, the cat. Look what he's doing. He's getting in the trash can. He's pulling the trash. Ba- okay. <laughs> we have a kitten and he is full of beans. <laughs> <sighs> Not actual beans, metaphoric mm. beans. Anyway, where are we going with this? You were talking about canned laughter. So canned laughter. I understand the point of canned laughter. And the whole, originally the idea was it was supposed to be live laughter, but then they started canning it because it, it wasn't worth having the audience around a lot mm. of the time, and or at you that have to point, do like eight takes of one joke, and the audience isn't laughing as hard. And yeah, the or the, you have to shoot like one bit outside the studio. You have mm. to add the laughter as if the audience was there. Mm. And from that point on, it's like if you can have any ear for like audio editing, mm. it like collapses because you know yeah. they're just cutting it off fake. And yeah, and it's and it's frustrating. I'm fine with a laugh track if it's funny because I'm laughing too, and I'm not thinking about other people laughing. Mm. If it's not funny, putting a laugh track under it is death. <laughs> it is the worst. Not putting a laugh track under it would be way better. Yeah. Way better. Are you listening, Hanna-Barbera? <laughs> Looking at from, you, Hanna-Barbera. From, from 40 years ago. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Um, anyway. So, uh, yeah, he's in class. And yeah. he he sees the, the, the studly punk boy hitting on his... Uh, potential paramour. And getting handsy, too. Getting so handsy. He's, he's, t- he's touching the, her and she doesn't like the it. The kid is justified in th- chucking a banana mm. at the dude's head. Which explodes head. on impact, if you he's notice. He's got quite an arm. <laughs> he should go into baseball. Um, so the bully gets mad and then the kids, then they, the teacher, the bell rings, the kids all go to recess or whatever the fuck. And the teacher <laughs> just says, okay, Rodney, mm. we're going to have a moment. And Rodney's like, oh, god damn it. Um, I'm nervous about my future, blah, 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 blah. Sympathize with me, audience. Sympathize! The teacher's played by somebody notable, too. Uh, uh, the, the teacher's a- played by... Thea Vidali is, is her name. Uh, yeah. Mm. Uh, Thea Vidali uh, was Mama Benjamin on WWE Raw. Nice! She also had her own one-season sitcom called Thea. All right. Like a year after this. So I'll track not- that one down as a... a, a- an adjunct to this episode. Okay, now the cats are, are, are playing rough. Stop that. <laughs> too many beans. You know, we We've record too many beans. We record here because we think my toddler is going to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> 
And my cats are cute. <laughs> my toddler's adorable. I won't, I won't hear it. A, but I have two cats. <laughs> you stack them up, you have one toddler. Um, the kid mm. tries to, to talk to Cindy in the hallways mm. at school. And, yeah... He's he's it doesn't awful. go it doesn't go well. He says the wrong things. He doesn't yeah. know how to talk to her. He's nervous. At which point he's he's alone mm. in the hallway in high school, and he says, "What is the matter with me? What would Rodney say to her? I could really use his help. Just once, I'd like to talk to him." <laughs> Because, well, yes, Rodney Dangerfield is notorious is, for getting people's respect. I, I, I watched this with my wife, who is a hero, by the way, uh, <laughs> for, for watching these things with me sometimes. And she rightfully pointed out that Rodney Dangerfield is not known for being a ladies' man. He's kind of the opposite of that. Yes. He, he didn't give practical advice. And we tried to think of what comedians were smooth or like that was their shtick. And the only one we could come up with was Craig Shoemaker. Who had a bit where he played the love master and he put on this funny voice? Look, I, like, can, I, I just rang the doorbell, but not with my finger. You know, look, that I can imagine thing. like you'd never get him, but I can imagine like Bill Murray, who was seen as very cool, maybe like, so, in a, yeah, in a very yeah. laid back kind of kind of almost working class way. But he was very cool, yeah. and I could see Bill Murray pulling this off. I could see like a fictional like oh, like if he was like obsessed with like Henry Winkler and the Fonz. Like oh, I could picture go. like if you not, ignore stand-up comedian, there are cool, suave people. There's a version of this where he summons Roger Moore. There you which go. Which oh, I'm yeah. like, okay, yeah, I would listen to Roger Moore's <laughs> advice. Like, God, if only I could talk to Tony Curtis. Tony <laughs> Curtis would know what to do. You know what? Where's Heth would be a great TV series. Oh, God. Yeah. Hugh Hefner shows up and he's in the in the robe and he vanishes out of a hot tub each time. Yeah, but I was I was with you the entire time. I, the whole premise falls apart because there is no reason to call Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> for this or really any other problem that isn't I'm working on my routine. That's yeah, that's some bored 13-year-old suburban kid is has. So Rodney Dangerfield is in the middle of a date and he's in the middle of a date with Medusa from Terror Vision, the movie, not the show. <laughs> uh <laughs> She's played by Jennifer Richards, who did not have a long acting career, but she was Medusa in the Terror Vision wow, movie. So okay. I, I was like, how do I know her? Where do I know her from? It's driving me nuts. So he's having a ter- terrible date. And Terror- so he- Terror Vision's a great movie, by the way. It is. <laughs> if you haven't seen Terror Vision. Almost as good as Terror Vision, the show, which we've <laughs> reviewed, and it's really fun. Um, but he's on the... So the kid needs dating advice, so he summons Ronnie Dangerfield, and we cut to Ronnie Dangerfield in the middle of a terrible date. Just... Just to so, further yeah. negate the premise. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm going to give you some advice. Now I need to get back to this date, and I hate the woman I'm on a date with. Yeah, like, I can barely contain my spite. <laughs> like, and I mean, all, all this whole date is just me getting material from this flippant waiter. Mm. But it was just like, yeah, I want my steak rare. Last time I could, it took me an hour to cut through the gravy. Like uh, well, that's a joke, Rodney. Well, well, okay. the, the bit the waiter has is, uh, I'd, I'd like two steaks. What do those come with? Two big checks, is what he said. Yeah. Which is weird, because usually, I, I guess they're going Dutch, but like usually mm. put them on like one check. One bill, yeah. Rodney, you can afford two steaks. <laughs> I'm going to give you dating advice, Rodney Dangerfield, Look, in 1990. But, but this Pay is, for the two steaks. This is, Rod, this is the stage version of Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if it was just Rodney Dangerfield, like, not in character? 
I think that's the point, is that he isn't in character. Well, the, the point, the, the premise of the show is that it's supposed to be Rodney Dangerfield not in character. Mm-hmm. But he's playing the Rodney Dangerfield stage persona. Yeah, and in fact, in real life, he was nothing like that. Yeah, he didn't, I'm, I'm sure he quack, cracked wise all the time. Oh, he was but, funny, but like, it's my understanding he was actually very erudite and somewhat sophisticated. Yeah, so yeah. wouldn't it be great if it's like, I, I don't know. What, what if he got obsessed with the science of it? It's like, how did you summon me? What did you say? Well, tell me about your genetics. We're gonna take you to a lab, and the, the it's not, it becomes the science fiction thing. Okay, well, actually, they they do kind of cover that. Mm. Ronnie Dangerfield just pops into all of a sudden he's in a high school, and he handles it very well. Mm. Hey, what am I doing back in high school? I knew I should have graduated. <laughs> Adjust the tie, uh, and we're good. And then the like kid a, says, uh. "Well." I, my name is Rodney, and your name is Rodney. It must be a Rodney thing. At which point, Rodney Dangerfield said, Kid, don't major in science. <laughs> and that's the point. I gotta tell you, that, that point right there, mm. that's what broke me. Because we're like ten minutes into the show, Tops. Mm. And I was ready to stab my own brain. <laughs> and then Rodney Dangerfield, God fucking bless him, mm. Is legitimately funny. Yeah, yeah. Because he's Rodney Dangerfield. All he has to do is tell jokes and I'm in. Even even if it doesn't make any sense, even if there's no context, just give your one-liners. We're good. Yeah. And then, then he said... I went out with a belly dancer. She told me I turned her stomach. Ah! ah! Just the time. My, my, my favorite gag is he's in front of... The, uh, Rodney is in front of Rodney. Little Rodney says, hey, you're, you're like a genie. He's like, uh, Rodney Dangerfield says, I'm not a genie. Do I look like I live in a bottle? And then he pauses for a minute. Like a long man. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> All right, but yeah. unfortunately, he then embellishes the punchline. Is like, like well, some nights I look like I do it. No, no, like, you could have left it there. You it was just fine. needed that long pause. Yeah. That long pause was really funny. <laughs> he gives the kid advice about like, hey, just compliment her. Yeah, like thank God Rodney Dangerfield was here to was give here him to, that nugget of wisdom to tell a. a a cheerleader that she's pretty. Yeah. Uh, and it works great. Uh, At which point, one of my favorite moments, it's just something so perfect about it. Mm-hmm. He he does that like early 90s Home Alone fist pump while falling to one knee. Yeah. Like a superhero pose. Mm-hmm. And he says... It's going to come back. <laughs> Thank you, Rodney. I don't remember what he says. I put the clip in. It's thank you, Rodney. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did it after the fact. Oh, okay. You didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. But he says, thank you, Rodney. Thank you, Rodney. Hallelujah. Mm. And there's something so just like dramatically incorrect about that moment based on how little Rodney Dangerfield actually did. The only thing remarkable is that Rodney Dangerfield can teleport when, like, dweeby teenagers are mildly in trouble. Like, not actual trouble. He doesn't actually have concerns. Like, ah, I saw my dad kill a guy last night. Like, no, 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 no. I don't know to compliment people. Ugh, I'm so bad at school. Dip out! Where are you, Rodney? Where's Rodney? Why not have the karate match and the problem in the same gymnasium? Rodney Dangerfield shows up. Hey, kid, mm. study! Thank you, Rodney! Thank you, Rodney. Thank you, Rodney. Ah, <laughs> oh, I can't figure out this peace in the Middle East thing. <laughs> hey, here I am! Thank you, Rodney! <laughs> Anyway, 
Then we cut to his family. Uh, a big gaggle of characters that we don't care about. Yo, don't care about them uh, a lot, actually. Uh, Jane Daly plays mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy, Amy, <laughs> o, Amy O'Neill plays big sister. Which is weird because she played the, the neighbor his, girl in, in, in uh, Honey, Honey I Shrunk the Kids. With the main kid. Yeah, so now they're siblings. Mm. Which is just... I, I, there's that, again, a moment where it's just like, I know her. Where do I know her? It's driving me nuts. Cat, get out of the get out of the thing. I'm dead serious. What do you know of her? You look like a dork. Well, I knew her from Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, okay. But I was just like because, and I just the kid from Honey I Shrunk the Kids was right there. But yeah. they weren't siblings in Honey I Shrunk the Kids, so my brain <laughs> couldn't process it. Like my brain couldn't put them together. No. I had to look it up, and it drove me insane. Uh, she was also in an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and I encourage you. To look up Amy O'Neill Star Trek because she wears like the single ugliest costume huh. that Star Trek ever produced, and Bob Blackman, the, the costume designer on those shows, produced some pretty strange things, <laughs> especially when it came to Deep Space Nine. The suits of the future are really weird looking on that show. They sure are. Uh, his dad is played by Jay Thomas, who played the Easter Bunny in the Santa Claus movies, and they're fine. They're, they're typical boring. Dad's a super at the apartment building where they live. Mom, yes, the cat is the cat is nursing on me now. The cat is like licking your inner elbows. <laughs> Why are you so weird, Luca? Anyway. Uh, mom runs a beauty shop, I guess, and the kid asks, hey, how was work today, mom? And mom's like, oh, yeah, I told Mrs. O'Leary, I, I gave Mrs. O'Leary a facial, and the kid, Rodney says, well, did it help? Yeah, I told her to leave the mud on. Forever. And I'm like, mom, you could just go to your mom for advice. She's Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> like, you just go. It's yeah. fine. She'll jeopardize her job for the sake of a good gag. Like, it's, your mom is Rodney Dangerfield. And then we get to see the inside of the kid's bedroom, which, by the way, mm. I understand having a poster of Back to School. Yeah. That makes sense. It's okay. a popular movie. Mm. I understand having a poster of Caddyshack. Okay. That makes sense. Popular how about, movie. How about Easy Money? No one had a poster of Easy Money! Look, he also has, like, signed pictures and 8x10 glossies. And he little, has a life-size... A rockin', rockin' Rodney album is he, on his wall. He has a life-size stand-up. Of yeah, Rodney Dangerfield standee, yeah. in a bathrobe. And I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, what, have, that, that's what I want to wake up to and see every morning when I open to, my eyes. Especially when you're like the, 14. <laughs> when I'm 14 years old. That's that's what you have the stand-up of? I, I close just, my eyes and I think of the hot pretty girls at school. And then I open my eyes and there's Rodney. I, I could have bought one of those once at a Star Trek convention. Which I went to when I was a youth. And... Those were not common, but you found them occasionally of whatever character you liked. And I thought, hey, I could have like a Data or a Captain Picard in my room. And then I thought better of it. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, when I was like 14, 15, there was nothing I talked about more than Star Trek The Next Generation. And e even I did not succumb. This kid has crossed a line. He is he is in a dangerous plane of fandom. Is this? Do you think this standee is what enables him to summon forth Rodney Dangerfield? Maybe, maybe it's like a, a, a oh, what were the like the bits of of Lord Voldemort's soul? Horcrux. Horcrux. It's a it's a Rodney Dangerfield Horcrux. We're moving on. We've crossed the line. <laughs> the kid has invited Cindy out on a date after his birthday party, mm -hmm. which is the next day. Problem is. 
every year on his birthday, after his birthday party, he goes and hangs out with his grandparents. And they've driven like 300 miles to see him. And his parents are just like, well, you should hang out with your grandparents and go out with this girl any other time. Because mm-hmm. your grandparents are visiting and it's your birthday and you're not an asshole. <laughs> and the kid is just like, but I wanna! But but I'm going through puberty and that makes me a total asshole. What do I do? Yeah, and then and then it's like Breckenmeyer, Soleil, Moonfife, and not Sam Levine friends show up. <laughs> and he articulates the dilemma Again, um, just be to fat to just to pad the episode, and they all say to him, "Hey, don't be an asshole." Yeah, and then he's like, "I still don't know." So he invites her over. They have the birthday party. It's mildly embarrassing because he gets like some sort of cowboy stuff from his grandparents who mm. don't get it because they're grandparents. And of course, Cindy shows up while he's wearing a dumb cowboy hat, and he's like, "Well, this is mildly embarrassing," and he just takes it off, and nothing's made of it. And nothing is made of it. <laughs> Anyway, he hangs out with his grandparents. Grandparents seem cool. Mm. But then he's like, oh, should I go hang out with the girl instead? Uh, No one's ever had a problem as difficult as this. I'd better use magic powers to solve it. So he goes into his bedroom, prays to the shrine of Rodney Dangerfield. (laughs) Uh, Rodney Dangerfield. I I believe he murdered a cat. Yeah. Put put her on a stone. Off screen. Ceremonial dagger into the cat. Off screen. Okay. Uh, and then we cut to Rodney Dangerfield fencing, which is sort of inherently funny. I mean, it's good, like absurdist. What, what's, he, what's, what's 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 he doing Rodney today? Doing? Yeah. What, what, what's what's turns Rodney out, Dangerfield's Saturday like? Well, it turns turn, out he fences avidly. <laughs> and of course, they, they didn't teach him any moves. Oh yeah, like they just have him in that white outfit, and he's just sort of flailing around a lot. Yep. The kid, by the way, this entire time keeps having that voiceover, Mm. but it's the voiceover that, like, someone says something to you, someone asks you a question, then the camera lingers on your face, and then you have a voiceover for, like, 45 seconds, Uh and you just want to cut back to the grandparents going, is is he okay? (laughs) Like, waving in front of his Mm. face, and parents are like, he does this, we don't know why. Something to do with Rodney Dangerfield. I, I, I don't know. Easy Money wasn't very good. Ever since then, he's been weird. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he summons forth Rodney Dangerfield. Mm. And Rodney Dangerfield says, you should, you should hang out with your grandparents and the girl. Mm. Thank you, Rodney. And the kid's just like, have you the, can do that? Have, have the problem in the karate match at the same gymnasium. <laughs> I'll say it again. All right. And the kid's like, ah, I don't know. Is that going to be a thing? Rodney Dangerfield's like, I don't give a shit. And then he just sort of leaves. He doesn't seem to care very much. Do you think she'll like me? I don't care, child. You're 14 and I don't know you. Stop kidnapping me. What am I? The candy man? Come on. Are you going to give me whiskey every time you appear? No? No? Can you get some? Can you get some whiskey, Rodney? And Rodney Dangerfield has a couple other good jokes here about aging. One I liked mm. was, uh, uh, I'm getting so old, my insurance company sent me half a calendar. That, that's, that's a cute one. That's a funny joke. He got me. There's I a left. Po- there's a poster at my local cemetery. It's, it had a picture of me. It said, coming soon. <laughs> can't, walk, can't walk by my local cemetery. They start chasing you with shovels. <laughs> These are funny jokes. And then he throws in a terrible one when he says that, you know, you should hang out with you should do a double date with your grandparents. And he says, you four can see you too. Thank you, Rodney. Oh, Rodney. You, know, you two is like a, a pretty big thing already. You're like, not going to get the tickets today. It, 
If you two does happen to be playing in town, you're if, not going to get those tickets. Today. Because if Bono is doing anything in 1990, he's tuned into NBC. Okay, I'm going to actually. I'm going to throw it out there. The pilot for a Rodney Dangerfield sitcom. I'm going to throw it out there. I don't know Bono. No, but nobody knows Bono. If in 1990, mm-hmm. Rodney Dangerfield called Bono up and said, "Hey." Can I get some tickets for some friends of mine? Mm-hmm. Bono would have said sure. I'll bet Bono would have done Rodney Dangerfield a solid. You don't think so? Uh, no, maybe so. Standing room in the back, at least. Like, come on. It's like, like, it's got to be. Bono would have had Bono a. Sti- he would have had a stipulation. It's like, give fifty thousand dollars to starving African orphans, and I'll let you have. And Rodney Dangerfield was like, I could buy the tickets for less than that. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but you have to have heart, Rodney. <laughs> Kid asks his grandparents if they want to go see the Rodney Dangerfield Film Festival. He was in four movies by that point. <laughs> that's, that's not a festival. Yeah, how many films make a festival though? I they, think they have, it's a, isn't it over time though? You got to have a, like a festival no, in one it, night. You can have a festival in one night, but it it can't be just two movies. Two movies does not a festival make. <laughs> But to thine I, own I'd, self be true. I'd, I'd like I'd like to know uh, your opinion. What do you think? Uh, where's the line? I think, how many, I think how many films do you need to I make? think four films is a marathon. I think a okay. festival needs to take place over a period of time and probably multiple theaters. If, if it's four films in two theaters on two nights, does that count as a festival? <laughs> <laughs> or does that it's have to be... It's a program. That's, okay. That's a program. All right. Yeah. You need to make an event of it. Like, Rodney would have to be doing an appearance or something. That would make it a festival. I think that would make it a All festival. Right. Um, at this point, you know, the kid, I guess, has his date and it goes okay. And he has a voiceover about how, I don't care what anyone says, Rodney, I respect you. And then I thought it was over. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out, no. No, there's there's an, there's an epilogue. There's an epilogue. for And, and I get why they did it. Mm. Because he's at school, he's thinking pretty highly of himself. His friends his, are like, so it went well. And he's like, yeah, it ended up being pretty cool. His four friends, white bread, white bread, and white bread. And not Sam Levine. <laughs> and he ends up, then he sees Cindy, like, arm in arm mm. with the leather dude from class. Mm. And I guess she's dating him. And that's when the kid realizes that, much like Rodney Dangerfield, he too cannot get no respect. Uh, surely that's a double negative. Does that mean he does get no, some No, that respect? means it's extra negative. Ah, I see. That's how that works. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield, somehow, he's not summoned. He just knows young Rodney's in pain. And he he uh, summons himself. Yep, and he just says, uh, yeah, I saw the girl left you, and, uh, you know, me, I'm always happy when women walk away. They're usually running. <laughs> that's cute. That's a funny joke. Uh, that's a funny joke. Mm. And then an Aaron Spelling production. And we're done! It <laughs> <laughs> just it, pops up, Aaron Spelling production. It's a bit of a shock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my favorite part of where of watching Where Where's Rodney was uh, the vintage 1990 TV commercials that were included in the video I saw. Including one that was like a phone commercial for uh, mm. uh, like something about like, ah, oh, the phone company called me and they said we can give you a better rate. I said, you should put that in writing. They hung up. I trust mm. you, AT and T. I remember that campaign. And There's the guy put, put it in writing. The guy, the put it in writing guy. Mm. He was the evil, corrupt cop from Cop Rock. Yeah, <laughs> I never noticed that. It's so weird. weird. It's so weird. Where's Rodney? 
That song is such an earworm. That song goes on forever. There is no reason why they need like eight recurring cast members in the opening credits of this show. Mm -hmm. This show is that kid, Rodney Dangerfield, and the parents. That's it. There's no one else you need on the show every week. Oh god, yeah, and the the older sister is dating a punker guy and then this weird his name is Spit. Alright. He's pre-man. Allegedly. The uh, yeah, we we have the two parents who have their own sort of wacky background. I, I uh, look <laughs> when you're making a sitcom, I guess you have to fall back on just the usual suburban white family because that was the trend at the time. At there, the time, that was the standard. There's hundreds of these things, mm-hmm. literally hundreds of these things, and. Then you have to some sort of angle on that template. Uh, yeah. You go to, but he also hosts a home improvement show. Yeah, and uh, or uh, also, somehow they have a butler, or yeah, or they've adopted a young child, or, or there's one a space of the kids is a robot. Yeah, whatever, whatever it is. We have a dragon for some reason. All of these shows seem to me like like they're almost parodies of the the template, and I'm I'm not sure what the baseline reading was. Maybe it was all in the family. Um, where we didn't have an angle on just sort of the boring white suburban family. I think I think the Ozzy and Harriet. Ozzie and Harriet yeah, I think Ozzie is and, the, so they're my three sons. So yeah. Ozzy and Harriet is every sitcom, basically, and then they just ladle uh, something on yeah. top of it. You know, like like a like a this it's either 90, chocolate yeah. or poo. Like this is, one or the other. This is nineteen ninety. We're forty years removed from Ozzy's Ozzy and Harriet at this point. Yeah. What when was Ozzy? It was like nineteen fifty four or something. 50s, it was, yeah. was the fifties. And now we have now we're just sort of mixing Rodney Dangerfield into this, and and again, if Rodney it, Dangerfield was the patriarch, you might have gotten away with it just based on personality. But instead, or, would if, you, or if he had written it, maybe, and he knew what he was doing with any sort of sitcom template rather than just telling it, <laughs> maybe. Like because here's because here's the thing, mm. this is the most generic of sitcoms. Yeah. Except the protagonist can summon forth Rodney Dangerfield like he's Beelzebub. Like, that's that's it. And I wish... Sometimes I wish I could, like, be on the set of a show that we watch. Sometimes I wish I could have been there, uh, you know, when they were writing it. I wish I could be the cocaine delivery guy for the, for the writer's, <laughs> the writer's room. room. I just would have just... I just want to poke my head in and just get a massive tip. And they're just like, just keep it coming. Keep it coming. He's gonna... Gonna have to talk to a girl somehow. I don't know how we do this. We've done this plot ten zillion times. It's like, what was it? I forgot what drug it was. It might have been cocaine in Permanent Midnight. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a biopic about Jerry Stahl, the sitcom yeah. writer, and he was a drug addict as well. And he created and, Alf. And he created, yeah, he created Alf. And there's a bit where he's pitching an episode idea but he's like high out of his gourd and he's pitching this weird stuff and, and they go out and there's all of a sudden there's this big parade and there's a lot of fireworks and oh, I love a parade it's like it feels like that's every episode of every sitcom from this era and yet <laughs> this one mm. still manages to just be like and literally you want like a fast pace to it mm. nothing happens here you have a premise that is Magic. This is Mr. B. Natural. If Mr. B. Natural was Rodney Dangerfield, <laughs> how do you make that boring? Well, you keep Rodney Dangerfield out of it as much as possible. Like, that's the thing I don't get. He should be there all the time. He should be the kid's imaginary friend. Why are we teleporting well, actual was, Rodney Dangerfield? You're just keeping him at arm's length I the was, whole time. I was really hoping that it would be like his conscience. Yeah. Or like, yeah, like. Rodney, takes the form of Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, Why not? Just, 
And and that way you can do a lot more creative things. Like Rodney Dangerfield doesn't have to be someplace a human being could be. He could yeah. show up and he'd be dressed however. He could say funny jokes while other people are talking. Yeah. Why not? Like I, I was, I you was, know who he I is? was showering in chocolate, whatever it is he got. You know who he is? He's funny Imaginary Mary. <laughs> imaginary Rodney. Yeah, this That's is... That's what you need. And to be fair, mm-hmm. where's Rodney? Though undeniably terrible, <laughs> way better than Imaginary Mary. That's true. That's imaginary true. was just boring. This is boring, but occasionally funny. Uh, well, there was no earnestness to this. Like, the kid mm-hmm. is trying to sell his drama as being, you know, very important to him, but it doesn't feel important. He can't talk to the girl, the pretty girl. Okay, maybe we can relate to that. Maybe that's, uh, like, something we went through. But even if we can relate to that, that's not a huge moment in our lives that we couldn't talk to the pretty girl. Yeah. That's not something that I mean, adversely affected our entire to be fair, years. To be fair, it is a sitcom, and sitcoms aren't all based on huge mm. moments. They're actually a lot, largely based on little moments. Yeah. Small, relatable scenarios that a, the, is, the characters are bringing something different yeah. to because they're these characters. It seems like this is not even big enough for that. No, it's a really crappy pilot, actually. Mm. Like, just because you want there to be a reason for Rodney Dangerfield, of all people, to be there, and you've chosen this very specific scenario in which Rodney Dangerfield would be the mm. least amount of help, and... You don't embrace that and let him not be helpful. Like, that could have been funny. I'm going to do what Rodney Dangerfield tells me to do. Rodney Dangerfield, he's not a good role model. (laughs) He told you to do something stupid, and now you have to fix it. That could have been a story, too. Mm. That's not what happens here. There's no reason for Rodney Dangerfield to be here. Rodney Dangerfield is a time-traveling robot. And he has no reason not to be a complete hedonist, and the boy has to hide him from their from his parents. Mm-hmm. See, I just pitched you a better that, show. That is a better I, show. Yeah. <laughs> it's still a bad show, but I, it's a better I show. I don't care. Give me my check. It's a more interesting show. <laughs> give me, give me my check. <laughs> <laughs> he said as he rubbed his nose. All right, let's imagine. Mm. There were oh, 100 episodes God of Where's Rodney. <laughs> let's just let's just let's just okay. go through some of the classic sitcom scenarios mm-hmm. and let's insert Rodney Dangerfield. Okay, so the boys double booked himself for two different things on the same day. Yeah, um, uh, the date with one girl and a date with another girl. There is a date with two different girls. And wouldn't you same. know it, they both want to go to the same restaurant. So good, we, good, good. So Rodney Dangerfield uh, tells him not to. Thank you, Rodney. Distress. At first, at first, he shows up because he's a famous man. He shows up and distracts one of the dates while he's with the other, and they kind of switch back and forth. Mm -hmm. But then he, Rodney Dangerfield, gets tired of that and says, "Hey, small Rodney, we have to no, we can't do this anymore." Smodney. Smodney. (laughs) Okay, Smodney, we can't do this anymore. You got to tell these girls what you're doing. And he says, "Okay, I've learned a valuable lesson." Okay, uh, uh, Smodney mm-hmm. uh, has told his overbearing grandfather via letters, because mm-hmm. it's the early 90s, <laughs> oh, that, that he's that captain of the famous. football team. Oh, there you go, yeah. And now he has pretend to be captain of the football team. Because this is the mm-hmm. other grandfather, like not the nice one we met before. A uh, different grandfather. Different grandfather. Everyone's, a di- a everyone's allowed to have two. A disapproving grandfather. Everyone's allowed to have two. Yeah, like, you're not manly enough because you like stand-up comedy. Yeah, there you go. So he's lied to his grandfather and said he's now captain of the football team, but now the grandfather's visiting and he has to pretend yeah. to be captain of the football team. Mm. And Rodney Dangerfield... 
tells encourages him to tell the truth. Thank you, Rodney. <laughs> Hundred episodes. We're um, three down. <laughs> Soleil Moonfry has a a big problem in her own personal life. Mm. Uh, her her parents are getting divorced. Special episode, mm. and she needs Smodney to to be there for her, and he's preoccupied with something trifling, mm. um, asking out another girl, whatever it is. Yeah, uh, working on his magic routine. I don't know what it is, and. Uh, Rodney shows up uh-huh. and encourages Smodney to listen to his friends. Thank you, Rodney. Ninety-six episodes to go. Okay, Sm- so Smodney is addicted to smack. <laughs> <laughs> God, Smod- I don't know. Smodney has a zit and won't leave his apartment. <laughs> Won't let anybody see him. Smodney woke up today as a giant vermin. How are you going to get out of this one, Rodney? Smodney Smodney can't disarm the bomb in time. Smodney was framed for killing his wife and has to go on the run. It wasn't me. It was Rodney Dangerfield. I don't care. Uh, Smodney's sister has killed her father and has taken over the throne. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Rodney knows dragons. <laughs> Was where's Rodney canceled too soon? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I think this one was. I'm amazed this one got shown at all. There was this thing that they would like. Some networks would do just to fill time. They would show um. This was aired. On June 11th, 1990. Hmm. Opposite uh, uh, reruns of MacGyver and 21 Jump Street hmm. and Major Dad. And to be fair, it beat 21 Jump Street. Really? <laughs> yeah, it did better than 21 Jump Street. That's that. a it, was, it was a rerun, but still. It's one of the, the only shows of the, on that list that I watched. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, they just, they just threw this sucker out. Hmm. And uh, yeah, so it did air once. And uh, you look it up on IMDb; it's listed as a TV movie. Like, like we we played the opening credits for you. Watch the opening credits. It looks like a joke. It mm. looks like a Saturday Night Live sketch that got out of hand. I half expected it to segue into too many cooks, just because it's <sighs> so long. Like we have the whole we have the whole theme song, mm. and then they stop and sing a different sounding theme song, and then they get back to it, and there are some really. Badly edited clips of Rodney Dangerfield doing stand-up in the mm. middle, just in case you don't know who he is. It's quite astounding. We mm. didn't talk about the creative uh, talent behind this. Insert joke. Uh, <laughs> this was this was directed by John. I'm gonna I'm gonna mangle his name, and I apologize. John Seguiglia. Uh-huh. Uh He was. Uh, he was he was involved in a lot of Cancel Too Soon shows we'll probably get to, including uh, the generic sitcom But We Have a Dragon called Scorch. Scorch! Which we're having trouble tracking down, actually. I like remember a, Scorch. We found pieces. Oh, yeah. We can't find the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a sitcom, a 30-minute primetime sitcom in the 80s mm. called Women in Prison. Imagine the mid-80s Golden Girls sitcom version of Orange is the New Black. That was what they did. 
He was also uh, in. Uh, he also was responsible for. We uh, were partly responsible for Living Dolls and the short-lived sitcom Cleghorn. With an exclamation point. Yeah, there was an exclamation point. Uh, it was written by under pseudonyms, by the way. Uh, it was written by... It wasn't written by Ronnie Dangerfield. No, it was not. It was, it was written by Phil Doran and Cy Rosen, writing as Gary Hammond and David Nazer. <laughs> I suspect... They're a little embarrassed. I sus- yeah, I suspect there was some just like, mm-hmm. we'll just... We'll just put a pseudonym on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, they worked on uh, Sister Sister and The Wonder Years. Oh, everything. Yeah. Uh, uh, Phil Doran worked on All in the Family. Um... Yeah, there was a there was a ton. Yeah, a lot of the the uh, adult actors on this show have like very long and varied TV careers, and whenever that happens for one of these unsold pilots, you can tell that they're just doing that because that's their assignment for the week. Yeah. It's like there's no passion in something like Where's Rodney. I, I don't think Where's Rodney was anyone's like I got a great idea. I think someone, I think some studio executive or someone, mm-hmm. is there Rodney Dangerfield's agent mm-hmm. was just like we got to get you some of that sweet sitcom money. Yeah, or we gotta like we Rodney Dangerfield relevant somehow. Yeah, Rodney yeah. Dangerfield is is still well known, but it's been four years since back to school, so we can afford him. Yeah, <sighs> like what can we do with Rodney Dangerfield? And mm. they just someone went home over a weekend, and you know it's one of those moments. You know those so moments. I love these moments. Of cocaine. No, 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 no. Mm. Let's be nice here. Like I, right, I, right. I love those moments in movies where like mm. someone's like. T- trying to solve a problem and then someone else comes in and they talk about something else entirely. Yeah. And then they say something random and it's like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like wait a like, minute, that's it. Yeah. Like, like in Independence Day when Jeff Goldblum mm-hmm. was trying to figure out how to stop the alien invasion and then Judd Hirsch is just like, ah, oh, you're getting a cold. <gasps> a computer virus, that's it. Right, right, right. I'm imagining like some executive like or one of these writers going home like, oh, what am I going to do with mm-hmm. Dangerfield? What am I going to do? And then he goes inside like, you know, to hang out with the, you know, tuck his son in and then he looks at his son's life-size standee of Rodney Dangerfield in a bathrobe. And he's like, that's it! That's the connection! <laughs> Bleached from the sun. <laughs> it's been standing there for years. Oh, yeah, the show was not canceled. No. <laughs> the show was... The show's really bad. It's, it's, it's quite bad. It's only funny in fits and starts because Rodney Dangerfield it's, is funny. funny yeah. I don't need the show to see Rodney Dangerfield tell jokes. <laughs> he told jokes for decades. I could just watch any Rodney Dangerfield stand special and get probably the same jokes. I, I doubt mm. these are all new. <laughs> like they, They've got a classical tone to them. My wife and I were happy for 20 years. Then we met. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, cla- classic lines. It's a good, it's a well-constructed <laughs> joke. It's perfect. Right. Um, let's read some letters. Let's this is kind letters. of a bit of a short episode. Uh, yeah, so, uh, mm. yeah, you can write us in. Our email is canceledtosoon at gmail.com. Don't forget, canceled always has one L. Uh, don't forget, we are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash canceledtosoon. We have bonus episodes. We just put out our bonus episode, Only the Best. Uh, every episode, we're looking at all of the Best Picture nominees from a certain year at the Academy Awards. We're up to year three. Or actually, year two. No, we just did year two, and we're about we're about to do year three. We did two episodes on the first year of the Academy Awards because they actually had two different Best Picture 
categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we just did the second year of the Academy Awards, and we're going to gear up to do the third real soon, actually, yeah. like within the next couple of weeks. So we've had busy lives, and we've been falling yeah. behind a little bit, so we're catching up. We're, we are catching up. Uh, so we're, we're not uh, actual Patreon subscribers. We're catching up. Yeah, and <laughs> we'll of course, uh, uh, and Voyagers, we know we need to catch up on that, too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, okay, so uh, what uh, have we got letters for? Here's a letter from Dan. Hi, Dan. Hi. Uh, hiya, fellas. Hello. I'm mid-enjoyment of your VR5 episode, <clears throat> pausing to acknowledge your mention of the actor Will Patton. Uh, I think you call it fairly. He's a really good actor who works a ton, which means it frequently falls on him to elevate not very good material. Yep. For those who enjoy Mr. Patton but don't care to revisit The Postman or Gone in 60 Seconds, I mentioned that he's become a prolific audiobook reader. Yeah. Audible picked him up for several of the late, la- uh, latest few Stephen King titles, Doctor Sleep, the Mr. Mercedes trilogy, and King's newest book, The Outsider. It recently dawned on me that Patton's vocal tone is a pretty good match for the Southern-slash-Heartland version of King's own distinctive voice. That's it. That's all. Have a lovely week. Hmm. Uh, good to know. I love audiobooks. Uh, I, don't, I, I listen to them frequently. I've, I've, <clears throat> I don't listen to them frequently, but I do mm. love a good audiobook who does. Yeah. yeah. I, I heard my... I listened to my very first L. Ron Hubbard novel. What? Through, via audiobook. Because uh. you can get them for free. <laughs> Yeah, L. Ron Hubbard was a pulp novelist before he became the the Dianetics guy, and uh, yeah, he wrote some pretty not very good pulp. It's just a boring spy thriller. Okay, here's one from Glenn. Hey, Glenn. Hello. Uh, Hi, guys. Been listening since you started the Critically Acclaimed podcast. Started this one by Mm. starting at the beginning and binging. Love listening to the two of you talk. I have a few things to address, but in order to not bury the lead too much, too late... When that person wrote in about Sex Factor, I thought, I think I may have seen that, and then the reaction you guys had and your enthusiasm made me start to choke on the food I had just started to swallow. (laughs) Thankfully, one self-administered Heimlich maneuver later, I was fine, able to listen to the rest of you guys. Anyway, Mm. on to other things. On the subject of guests, which is a topic uh, we've had some debate about because we had Sam Levine on, and it was turned into a different kind of episode because Mm. we talked about shows he was in. Yeah. Uh, Glenn says, I enjoy both kinds, but I can understand the viewpoint expressed on the last show. My suggestion is to use guests that just know the show and want to talk about it on the regular show and Mm. use guests that were involved in the show in the manner that another listener suggested for the randomizer. Mm. Hope you have a great day and I'm looking forward to the Sex Factor review, assuming X Hamster doesn't plan (laughs) a second season. Um, So yeah, here's where I've I've been thinking a bit about the mm. debate over how we handle our guests. Yeah. And my thought is this, and and we haven't really talked about this, so let me know if you disagree. Mm. Uh, I think we should review the show, either just us or with people who are not involved in it. Uh-huh. And then if we can get access to people who are involved in it, we do a bonus episode. Maybe for Patreon only, but maybe not. Hmm. Um, and that way we can give people the show that they're used to and also that additional insight and content. What do you think? Um, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to hear us dish before they get the, the, the actual background on the show. Part of, part of 
I mean, part of the reason we're doing this is to uncover the mystery. Yeah, things are a, a lot, lot of this more, is speculative. Yeah, a, a lot of it is more fun when the mystery is still there, and us figuring it out is actually a, a lot more stimulating for me, anyway. Yeah, it's a little different to, with something like Selfie or Freaks and Geeks because they were recent and also, and also big, well known and big hits. And with well, Freaks and Geeks, hits, but, well documented. Yeah, like there was everyone in the series went on to bigger and better things, and or at least bigger things, hmm. and. You know, there's interviews aplenty. You can find out a ton. Like, I think every episode had, like, a commentary track. Like, there's a ton of info. Yeah. Uh, so, you, there's only so much we can add to Freaks and Geeks. We can just add kind of our own opinion. So, mm. it made sense for us to invite Sam. Uh, who, by the way, great guest. Uh, always a pleasure. But, yeah, no, this uh, this is an interesting topic. And um, yeah, I think I think that that's how we'll probably address it in the future. If we get access mm. to the talent, uh, we will put that as a separate thing. Mm. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. It doesn't happen as often as we'd like, anyway. Yeah, uh, we got another one. Uh, well, we actually had uh, the the person who suggested that we watch vampires writing <laughs> again. Oh God! Post vampires. Yeah, his name is Daniel. We have okay. several readers named Daniel. Or listeners named Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, guys. I suggested vampires. Hi, Daniel. Hey, Daniel. <laughs> so so it's your fault, huh? <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> I suggested vampires. Sorry. I remember this show as being a way weirder when I first saw it when I was 9 or 10, but I didn't realize how bad it was. After I heard you were going to do it, I tracked down a couple of episodes and watched them, and they were awful. If I had realized it was that bad, I would have told you to wait a little while, but you guys seem to have a good time reviewing it. If you were looking for other weird kids' shows, I second the Los Luchadors suggestion. I'd also like to add the animated ent- uh, adaptation of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. That was a weird thing to adapt into an animated kids' show. I think that one lasted more than one year. Which one? Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. That one, I, I want to say yes, actually. Yeah, I think um, it lasted I'll, a couple of years. I will look um, it up just in case. But I, they, I liked... Uh, mm-hmm. I like that somehow Attack of the Killer Tomatoes got that big a lease on life. <laughs> right? Like, how well, it, weird is that? When, when it hit VHS, it got uh, got a new generation enjoying it. So, it's yeah. still weird that it got an animated series. Well, an animated series as late as, like, 1990 or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah like, was... after, like, people kind of stopped caring. Mm. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes came out in 1978, for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's really like, weird. Uh, anyway. Uh, uh, I'm I'm looking into some ju- some suggestions for anime series for you guys to review, and I will email them when I'm done looking. Please do. Uh, as always, I really enjoy the podcast. Keep up the good work. Attack uh, the Killer Tomatoes thanks, that Daniel. had two seasons. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. When you look up some anime, make it better than Vampires, eh? Well, Vampires <laughs> is an anime, so it's not a fair comparison. I suppose not. Yeah. Uh, anime is one, if you're just listening now, we've had some conversations about We've reviewed it before, mm. but... Uh, Television in different countries doesn't necessarily work the way it works in America, and a lot of shows exist with a sort of predetermined end date, so mm. only lasting one season isn't necessarily weird or even off-plan. Mm. So we're trying to be careful when we go to another land and make sure that mm. it, it fits, if not the letter of our law, then at least the spirit. Mm. So... And and we also had another follow up on vampires saying that with that title I had high hopes, and the source of the source material and the exasperated analysis you two provided of it did not disappoint in the least. Uh, that was from Keith. Thank you. I'm I'm glad somebody got something out of vampires. <laughs> 
Because golly, that was a chore to sit through. People people like it when we suffer. Yeah, they yeah. do. They they really really. Yeah. Really do. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed this episode about where's Rodney. It was, it was, uh, it was uh, eight hours of my life. I'll never get back. Yeah, well, it felt like eight hours. Anyway. Yeah, it was. Mm. It's a very long twenty-two minutes. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Uh, so I guess that's it, everybody. Thank you very, very much for listening to Cancel Too Soon. Uh, we'll be back next week with our review of Voyagers, Whitney. I'll have seen them all by then. Okay. (laughs) Good. Um, Everybody, don't forget, again, we have our Patreon account, patreon.com slash cancel too soon. We have a ton of exclusive content there that's really piling up. So, like, if you're new, there's, like, a whole bunch of, like, TV movie reviews and miniseries reviews and videos. And there's there's a ton there mm. already. So, if you're new, boom. And if you're uh, with us still, we, we just added some perks recently, last couple of months. You can force me and Whitney to write content for criticallyacclaimed.net. Uh, which, boy, we had a lot of requests right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it really kind of flooded us, and we're, like, kind of feeling guilty that we can't do, like, one a day. Qu- so, as, like, qu- as quickly as we would, we, would otherwise we're, we're We are working on them. Mm-hmm. We promise we are working on them. Some of them are more detailed than others. So we are working on them. Thank you very, very much. You can go to criticallyclaimed.net. It's a hub for all of our work around the Internet. We have some original material there as well. We are on Twitter. Uh, the show is at CancelCast. Critically Acclaimed is at Critic Acclaim. Uh, I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And we have another podcast, Critically Acclaimed, over at the Schmozno iTunes feed, as well as the SK Plus YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And you can check that out any old time. <laughs> uh, I guess that's it. Everybody, thank you very, 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 very much for listening. And uh, that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. <laughs>